Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. Faith. Maybe you've heard it's an important concept in the New Testament. But it's a word we use in a lot of different ways for a lot of different things, isn't it? Faith can refer to a sense of trust or confidence in somebody, or it can refer to an entire religion. Jesus talked about faith as if it were a superpower. He said, if you've got the smallest granule of it, you could ask a mulberry tree to jump into the sea or a mountain to move over, and they would do just that. He told some people that faith was what healed their bodies, cast out their demons. But for all the references to what faith looks like and what faith can do, it's in the book of Hebrews where we get a working definition of what faith might actually be. And what faith is, if you'll allow a paraphrase, is a fruitful form of blindness. Or if that overstates it, there's clearly a necessary blindness in which faith has to emerge. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We usually understand blindness as a lack, and it's true that most basically blindness refers to the absence of one of our five senses. But anyone who's known a person who's blind understands that people without sight do not necessarily take in or comprehend 20% less of the world. In fact, sometimes the opposite is clearly true. I dutifully learned Clementi Sonatinas from a pale yellow book as a boy. I can still see the notes my piano teacher, Mrs. Sheets, wrote in the margins in her elegant handwriting with one of her perfectly sharpened pencils. When I was learning those pieces, I'd look up at the music and then down at my hands to find the right keys and then back up at the music and to see where my fingers should go next, and maybe I don't need to point out that the way I nodded my head up and down mechanically was basically the opposite of a Stevie Wonder impersonation. (laughs) You know who always seemed to be scanning the sky for something else to smile about as his flailing arms sent his fingers to just the right keys at just the right times? Then again, Mrs. Sheets never suggested I play superstition at the spring recital either, so there's that. (laughs) I don't want to downplay the challenges of moving through a world that's been arranged for people who can see, for someone who cannot. But there are so many examples in humans and throughout the natural world of people and creatures that seem to take in this world even more fully and engage it more powerfully, even as a capacity like sight goes missing. And I point this out because there's nothing in the teaching of Jesus or the whole of Scripture to suggest that faith is the next best thing to seeing clearly how things are going to turn out. Faith is not the thing we're forced to be satisfied with since we can't quite reach a state of total certainty in this life. Instead, we're told that faith, which is all about things that are unseen and uncertain, is precisely what Jesus wants to see alive in us. So there really is a blindness, if you will, That's an essential precondition for this sacred power in our lives. And think about it. 
Can you remember a moment in the Gospels when Jesus was amazed at what someone saw clearly or understood perfectly or foretold? It was people's faith that captivated him most. It was faith, not sight, that he wanted there to be more of in this world, even with the people whose literal vision returned after a healing encounter with him. So back to the book of Hebrews. It was written, as its title suggests, to Jews. Given that, it makes some sense that the case for faith is made by appealing to the great characters of Jewish history, to the lives of Abraham and Sarah, to Isaac and Jacob, and a whole lot more if you're to read the whole chapter. What the writer reminds us is that Abraham, as we just heard, set out for a place he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. Let me say it again. It's not faith if we're not blind. It's not faith if we know where we're going. Now what we might assume is that though even if they were in the dark at one point in time, this faith is what eventually got the patriarchs all the good things they hoped for and had been promised Verse 11 does kind of seem to tie the faith of Abraham and Sarah to the power of procreation once, but that seems very much the exception here. The point Hebrews 11 keeps driving home is that faith is not about getting things to work out like you hope they will. Not even if you're a patriarch or a matriarch. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, we're told. But from a distance, they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. Faith is the stuff we blind strangers and foreigners live by as we search for home, isn't it? Does anything in that sentence describe you? If not on the surface of your mostly happy and successful life, then maybe deeper down in the more uncertain parts of your heart. I heard a story the other day in which I don't believe the word faith even occurs, but it seemed to me like so much more than just a metaphor for what we read about in Hebrews just now. It seemed like a wild and powerful instance of a life and transforming form of faith. Daryl Lennox is a comedian who says he spent most of his life very distrustful of strangers. He steered clear of them as best he could. Daryl also had vision problems from the time he was young. He went blind in his left eye more than 20 years ago. In 2018, he became allergic to his glaucoma medication, and he began to lose sight in his other eye. One night as he went to bed, he read a text message through a small window of sight in a corner of his seeing eye, and when he woke up the next day, that window had closed forever. He felt his way to the bathroom, searched the mirror for some shadow of his face as he turned the light switch on and off, on and off, but there was nothing. So he says to keep from falling into terror and despair, he brushed his teeth and went ahead and made the affirmations he made in front of that mirror every single morning. I'm the best of all time. I'm the best comic alive. I'm the funniest person on the planet. I'm going to change this world. Boom, so let's get to work. (laughs) Everything did change for Daryl that day in ways that you, you and I can probably at least somewhat imagine. What might not occur to us 
is that Daryl was suddenly forced to trust people in ways he never had before. He suddenly had to depend on the very strangers he'd feared and avoided because he's blind. One day, one day he accidentally bumped into a guy as he sat down at a bar. He apologized, but the stranger's agitation and hostility just kept boiling even after Daryl explained he couldn't see. So he said, hey, what's your name? Let me buy you a beer. And the guy who said his name was Bob began to calm down just a little and said, so you really are blind. What's that like? Well, Daryl said, I have to trust everybody. And Bob says, I would never let that happen. I'm a cop. Well, wait, says Daryl. So, so if I have to trust everybody, you have to wake up and trust nobody? That's exactly right. And then Bob began his confession to Daryl about how being so vigilantly mistrustful all of the time of everyone, which he felt like was part of his job, was taking its toll. He wasn't sure he could live like this much longer. It seems like the difference between having to trust everybody and not trusting anybody can be the difference between life and death at times. And it's the person without the trust, it seems, who's most in peril. Don't you think that kind of trust has got to be at least akin to the faith in the midst of all we do not know and cannot see that Jesus still hopes to find alive in us and in our world? Hebrews 11 is a fine chapter to read on Founder's Day, Calvary's birthday, as we give thanks for our spiritual forebears in this place, isn't it? This doesn't mean we should overlook their mistakes or their flaws any more than we should overlook our own, but when I think of their faith in terms of Hebrews 11, what I admire is that they took the hope that you and I might show up here one day to say our prayers at the Calvary that they founded. And they used the hope that that might happen to fuel their action in the present. But they were also very, very blind. Calvary in 2022 surely looks almost nothing like whatever images they would have carried in their hopeful heads back in 1832. Mary Gloucester, she must have been a force of nature to mount her horse and ride off to demand that the bishop in Middle Tennessee send a priest over here to West Tennessee carrying an infant grandchild and a jug of peach brandy to help make her case, we're told. <laughs> but even she couldn't have imagined, for one blinding example, a priest named Catherine serving at Calvary's altar. Our founders were mostly blind to who we are and to so much of what Calvary and Memphis would become. But this is just as it should be, just as it must be. Because such blindness is the only context in which faith can even exist. It's been said that the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's certainty. The author of Hebrews would certainly agree. So can you hear the good news that the uncertainty and blindness we live with are not failures of your faith, but the only context in which the faith Jesus said was such a powerful force for healing can take root? They may also be the space that love and risk and joy and friendship and all sorts of other beautiful things need to breathe and come into being. And can you begin to imagine how our lives might actually open up in new ways to new people and ideas and possibilities for wholeness when we just accept that we are all of us 
unseeing strangers, foreigners who've set out on a journey, who do not know where we're going, people who, come to think of it, have no real life-giving choice at all but this fruitful form of blindness we call faith. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.